Good morning. Today's uh, passage is in uh, Romans, the first chapter. We're going to start at verse 18 to the end of the first chapter. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky through everything God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful thing their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the Creator Himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural ways of having sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men. As a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things they should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wicked, wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malice behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invert, invent new ways of sinning, and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises. They are heartless and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die. Yet, they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do it with them too. Morning. Good morning. All right. Good. All right, everybody turn to Romans chapter 1. We're still going to preaching through the letter of Romans. Obviously, you see that when you preach through a letter, you got to take your time. you got to go through it. you got to cover every scripture. That's why we're still in chapter 1, and this is, what, four or five sermons in? We're still, we haven't even finished chapter 1. And here's the crazy thing. This particular section of Romans is going to be a two-part sermon series because the title of today's sermon is God's Anger at Blatant Sin. You heard what I said, blatant, right? You know, obviously we're forgiven for sin. Romans has a theme in it. You know, once forgiven, always forgiven. You're forgiven past, present, and future for your sins. But God doesn't give you a, a license then to continue in his grace to sin. 
That's where you get Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 says, shall we continue in sin that grace may increase? And then what does Paul yell as he writes with an exclamation point? May it never be. Certainly not. Ever. You, not, you don't get a license to sin just because you're forgiven. And really what Romans chapter 1 is not dealing with a particular thing that God did at that time. It's dealing with sin from the very beginning. It's dealing with Adam and Eve. It's dealing with the state of man. It's state, you know, it goes all the way back to Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay, that's way long ago, right? Sodom and Gomorrah, you're talking about the time of Abraham, right? Way back, way, 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 way back. What happened to those two cities? They were destroyed because of their immorality. And obviously, if you listen to the word, that's where you get the word sodomy. I don't have to give you the definition of sodomy, right? It's just not a good definition, correct? All right, but that's where you get the word Sodom from the, word, from the city of Sodom. Obviously, that's where it all originated from, where, where it got a lot of attention, all right? So God has never liked man's blatant ignoring of him. He's never, man has for a long time reveled in their sin, okay? It's not just something that's happened now. It's not something that happened in, a Roman, in Roman culture, even though we learned last week that Roman culture was pretty bad with sin, right? The church was good in Rome, but the city of Rome was not a good place. It was full of nastiness. Just like we said, you can go to L.A., you can go to New York, any of the major cities in the United States of America, and find every type of sin you can think of. And it wouldn't have to look very hard, would you? You could find everything and anything, you go, your mind would be blown away. And that's just talking about two cities, right? I mean, you can go to any city. And then we talked about, well, what about towns like Williston? All that stuff's here, just a lot more quiet, a lot more hid. Well, I can't even say it's even hid here, all right? So Williston's really come out of the shadows, so to speak. Every small town has sin. Every small town has issues. But it's always hush-hush. But Williston, since it's grown... Things have come, you know, the, sh- the, the light has been revealed into the darkness a little bit. Now people are like, people have lived here all their life for like, really? Well, yeah, it's just now it's getting exposed, right? But the bottom line is it's the state of man. We can't sit here and point fingers. It's the state of man's heart. It's rebellion against God is what it is. Amen? That's just what it is. So we, don't, we can't point fingers and say, oh, she made me do it. He made me do it. Oh, the voice in my head made me do it. No, it's, it's, your, it's in your nature to do it. Amen? All right, so going back, let's pray before we begin. Lord God, I just thank you and I praise you, Lord. I just give you all the glory. Uh, Lord, there's nothing, there's nothing, Lord, that I want to do with this sermon, Father, that isn't led by you. Uh, I don't want to preach anything, Father, that, that is in my strength or in my, in my intelligence, Lord, because I, I know I'm a complete nothing without Jesus Christ. And so I pray, Father, that you'd fill me with your Holy Spirit and that you'd lead in this, Lord. If you can use a donkey, you can use me. And Lord, I pray, Father, that the words of my mouth would be accurate and true, Lord. And I pray, Father, I wouldn't be a stumbling block. I pray that I would decrease, that it increase, that it be hidden behind the cross. And Lord, we just want to commit this message to you. This is a message right now that is not popular in the world. It's not popular in the United States. And it's not popular in the world. It's a, it's a message that Satan does not want the church to hear. And it's a message that Satan does not want the church to understand. Lord, so I pray, Father, you would truly bind the enemy, Lord. I pray that you cast the enemy outside this church, cast him in the pit and seal it, Lord. Put a wall of protection around the church and each of us, Lord, that we'd only hear one voice today, the voice of your Holy Spirit, that we'd be set free by your truth, that we'd embrace your truth, that we wouldn't rebel from your truth, and that we would just want to be, that we'd want to be in your truth. So, Lord, I just commit this sermon to you, Lord. This is your church, and, Lord, this is your time to speak. Lord, we just thank you and we praise you. We want to worship you and glorify you in every way. We just commit this now to you that your will be done. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, I want to say something. There are areas, I, I heard there's an area in Canada. How many people are Canadians? 
We had a couple Canadians, right? I heard there were some areas in Canada, I'm not sure that, oh, was, this has been a long time ago, um, that this particular area in Scripture, especially where, where it really where it shifts and it goes from this section talking about how man is, went, went from worshiping God to worshiping creation rather than the creator, and it talks about how God turned them over to the depravity and where it really what it says here, right? It says that um, homosexuality in God's eyes is wrong. It says it very clearly in here. Well, that's not, you can't preach that in certain areas. It's, it's illegal. Because how dare you sit there and say that somebody whose lifestyle is homosexual is wrong. Well, God says it's wrong, and if you don't like it, too bad. And when you read the scripture, it's pretty clear. You have to, you, you, basically what they'll do is they'll say, here's what, here's what that movement will do. They'll say that God's not against homosexuality. If you go back in the Bible, you can see that David, um, and what was, what was, um, what was um, Saul's, uh, Jonathan. Yeah, they say David and Jonathan were, were in a romantic relationship together because there's, there's scriptures referenced they kissed each other. Well, in Hebrew culture, it was called a, it was called a holy kiss, and men did that like they shook hands. <laughs> in, in Hebrew culture, I would have kissed this guy, and he would have been like, okay with it. Now if I had kissed him, he'd hit me. But you know what I'm saying? It was, that's culture. It was culture. It was recorded that they, they were like brothers. They, David and him were like close brothers. They didn't, they, nothing in there about homosexuality, okay? And so in Hebrew culture, when it said kiss or holy kiss, unless it was talking about something like in Sodom and Gomorrah, it was not homosexuality, okay? So they, they'll try to twist it. And in the scriptures, they can't twist. The scriptures they, that they can't come up with, they just want to take out. So rather than deal with Romans chapter 1, let's just make it illegal, it's wrong, it got added in there, it's, it's not right. Well, when you start doing that to the Bible, you've got a problem. When man don't like what God says, man takes out what God says, and that's wrong. Amen? If you don't like the fact that, it's, that homosexuality is wrong, then take it up with the Lord. One day you'll get to argue your point with him, hopefully. <laughs> right? If you're somewhere else, you don't get to talk to him. Amen? God is good? All right. So today's title is God's Anger at Blatant Sin. The world is guilty of sin. Let me say it one more time. The world is guilty of sin. There, there's, a, there's a word for this. Total depravity of man. Can you guys say that? Total depravity of man. Men and women are born into sin. We are totally 100% depraved. We are, we're without, we, we, that's who we are. There's not, just because you're born and you're a somewhat nice person, you're just as depraved as a person who's an axe murderer. Sin separates you from God. God sees all sin the same, and separation is because of sin. Amen? So men and women are all totally 100% depraved. That means that they are not able, they're not able to get into heaven. They're not able to have a relationship with God. They're completely corrupted in their sin. Every man, woman, and child that's born into sin. So we can't sit there and point fingers. This is an anti-judgment passage, really, when you think about it. I can't, you, I can't say, oh, you're more depraved than me. Ha, ha, God likes me more than you. No, in our sin, we're equally separated from God and we're depraved. Unless we have Christ, unless we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and he's bought, our, bought us from our sins, we're de- totally 100% depraved and separated. Amen? So we can't point fingers. But we have to look at why we're depraved, and we've got to look at the state. What Romans chapter 1 really does is point out what depravity is. It points out God's, 
God's not ignoring sin. Can we say that? God's not ignoring sin. We look at this country and we say, God ignores sin. Well, God does not ignore sin. God's still not ignoring sin, and God will never ignore sin. Amen? It might feel like it when we don't get justice here. You know, oh, how did that guy get away with doing this to that person? How did this? And we look at our, we like, that's not fair. Well, you know what? God's fair. And eventually, things get done right. Amen? Eventually, there will be justice. Whether it's here or whether it's there, there will be justice. God does not ignore sin. So when we look at the state of our country, we're like, well, how long is God going to take, how long is he going to let us do this? Well, let me just answer that. Not that much longer. Okay? That's what the whole book or the whole letter of Revelation is all about. The last chance. The last chance book is what it should be called, right? The last chance. After that, there's no chance. Amen? There will be no need because there will be no sin after that. After, after the new heaven and new earth's place, man is no longer got the will to sin because there's no sin. So there, it's, it's easy after that. I wish it was right now, don't you? Huh? Remember, we should all want that, right? Don't you want Jesus to return tomorrow? You don't care about going to work tomorrow, do you? Huh? You don't have some special plans for the rest of your life that's more important than being with Jesus, do you? I mean, you want to grow old with your wife? Well, everybody would like to do that, right? But I'd rather just go to Jesus young with her. Right? Right? Instead of changing each other's diapers? Jeez. Let's <laughs> just had to put that sick thought in there, right? Everybody's looking at their beautiful wife one day. Well, one day you might have to change her diapers, you know? In some cases, like mine, you know, I'll you know, be marrying a younger lady. She'll be changing mine soon. I said, in, in 15 more years, you better get used to changing them. I'm just kidding. God is good. Can we laugh in church? All right. The world is guilty. Now, this is, this is especially, remember I told you Romans is written to two specific groups of people. And sometimes it's written to both, and sometimes it's separated from one to the other. This, this little section of Romans is... It's talking about all humankind, but it's, it's being written particularly to the Gentiles. Because the Gentiles were the ones who had this crazy understanding of God. This, they're the ones that really struggled with being saved, placing their faith in, G, in Jesus Christ, and still living the way they used to. They were the ones that really struggled with it. The Jews struggled with the law. They struggled with, you know, they had the same amount of sin, they stay, but they did everything secretly. A, a, a Jewish believer wouldn't, wouldn't just come out in public and do certain sins because they thought, oh, you know, God, I can't do that. I'm too righteous, you know. But they, they have their other struggles, okay? They would be back in the log in opposite of grace. So the Roman, the Roman Gentiles were the ones that would be like, I got saved, I can go sleep with that prostitute. I got saved, I can go do that drug. I got saved, I can, you know what, God's forgiving me past, present, and future. Let's go have a party. That was their mentality. So this was really written to the Gentiles in a sense that they really needed a lesson in this. The Jews needed a lesson in it too, but they, they would be like, I already know that. You know, they had that more righteous, holier-than-thou kind of mentality. I already know God hates sin. We, I, have, I, I, you know, I just hide it better, right? So, yeah, we, that's kind of like people in the church, right? You guys all know God hates sin. You just hide it better. Hmm? A lot of times the church has got just as much sin as outside the church, if not more. You just hide it better. Right? 
Right? The guys preaching, a lot of guys that are preaching up in the pulpit, they have just as much sin, they just hide it better, or they have to hide it better, right? Let's just be real. Can we be a real church? All right, let's be real. All right. All right. So I'm going to read verses, uh, I'm going to read 18 and 19. We're going to, this is a two-part sermon. I'm going to read 18 to 20 to you again. But God shows his anger for heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it ob- obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people will have seen the earth and the sky through everything God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, the eternal power, and his divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. They have no excuse for not knowing God. So this is, this is where Paul takes the time to say everybody is on the same page. Anybody who sits there and says they don't know God, they know God. You can see God very clearly when you look in creation. You look at that, you see the intricacy, you see the details, you see the laws. I mean, look at the laws of physics by chance. Just look at what keeps the ocean from taking the rest of the beach, right? Why, why are the tides set where they're at? And then they say, oh, we know the answer to that because the moon is a certain distance from the earth. What if the moon wasn't that certain distance? From, who writes the laws? Who, who has the rules? The earth is in the perfect place going around the sun, and they call that the, I forget what science calls that, Stephen can probably give the answer, but that is a one in a billionth chance that a, a planet could be in that perfect spot to have life. Well, why is the earth in that perfect spot? Why is the moon so perfectly to the earth that the tides, how come we don't have two moons like every other planet mostly? Because if we had two moons, we wouldn't have life on earth. Why is everything so perfectly in place? Who's holding, who, who wrote the, who's writing it? Who's holding the laws of physics together? Who's the author of physics? Who's the author of physics? Amen? Scientists have a great job. They need to stop being atheists and need, need to be creation scientists because all the good, uh, good believing scientists does, they see and they discover all these cool things and, every, and all they're doing is getting a better picture of God. Amen? That's how scientists need to look at it. And Christian scientists look at it like that. They don't, they're not surprised. They're not looking for the answer. They already know the answer. They just get to see more of God and what he's done. Amen? Instead of trying to be God, they accept there is a God. Amen? All right, so you look at, the, okay, so let me go. Man, I'm excited. All right. Our human knowledge, so the first point you guys want to write down if you're writing this down, our human knowledge, our intelligence has brought us into guilt. So human beings from the very beginning have always, with, the, with their big brains, you know, humans are smarter than what? Animals, right? Does God say a man is an animal? Does the Bible say, is man ever listed in the Bible as an animal or a beast? No. They're not considered beasts. They're not considered fish. They're not creepy, crawly things. They're not flying things. They're not things of the ocean. Man has only one label in the Bible, and it's what? Man. Man and woman. And what, is it, what does this say in Genesis? God created man and woman. He created them in his image. Amen? Woman and man are God's image. Amen? So man is separate from the beast for everything else. Man named everything. Okay? So man is not an animal. Man is not an animal. Man was never an animal. Man is not an animal. Man was never an animal. Can I, can I keep saying that? God said man is not an animal. If God said man is not an animal, I don't care what you say, you're wrong. God's right, you're wrong, God's right. Amen? Right? That, there's what you see with the argument. Can you follow where this might be going? How people just want to be the one in charge. They want the rules in their handbook. Amen? They want, they want the handbook of Bob, not the Bible right? So 
Human knowledge, men, because God made us so smart from the very beginning, our intelligence, our big brains, have caused us to go into guilt and to sin. Eve, through her brain, took a bite of the fruit. Adam, through his brain, took the fruit from her. And then they started blaming each other. Big brains are not as big as God's brain, but they end up getting you in trouble. Amen. You don't see, you don't see dogs doing what we do. Do you have a serial killer dog out there? You might have a dog that bites somebody, but it ain't going out looking for certain victims. It ain't profiling, right? <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> Human brains, are, it's our brains that brought us to you. Human history began, listen to this, guys, this is truth. Human history began with man knowing God. Let me say that one more time. Human history began with man knowing God. So where did history begin? Who, what was his name? Adam. Who was created first? And where was Eve created? Out of man. Does that make Eve less? less? No. But I'm just saying, we're, we're going to put the blame slurly on man's big forehead, right? There's Adam. And there was, was Adam created and did he have to, did he, was, was he left in the garden going, oh, how did I get here? No. God was right there the whole time with Adam. He walked with him. He guided him. He directed him. He educated him. He was intimately in a relationship, not homosexual, creation to creator, amen? He was with Adam in the garden. He walked with Adam. He gave Adam. He loved Adam. He gave Adam everything. He told Adam the name of everything. He told Adam he was in charge of this and doing all this. And he gave Adam a really good mission. He said, here's Eve. I want you to teach Eve everything I've taught you. I want you to guide. I want you to protect her. I want you to teach her. I want you to be everything for her. Don't fail her like you did in just a few more verses. Amen? So here, so Adam, totally when he was made, knew who what? God was. So when man was created, man knew God. When man was created, man knew G-O-D. Not some creature, not some knew clearly God. Amen? Man knew God. In the, very, in the, human, in the beginning of history, man knew God. Human history is not a story of a beast that worshipped idols that evolved into a man worshipping God. Let me say it one more time. Human history is not a story of a beast worshiping idols evolving into a man who worshiped God. We were never a beast, and it didn't happen like that. It happened with man knowing God closer than we could ever know God. Put it like this. Adam had a special relationship with God that we could only dream about. Man and Adam walked in the garden together. So the opposite of what all all the lunatics in the world want to say, you know, they want to say that we, it all started in a soupy pond and then the little tadpole microorganism, mitochondria thing turned into a little tadpole and the tadpole turned into a, a little like froggy thing that turned into a little lizard that turned into a, a little bird or like a little di- dinosaur, little thing or majigger and then, and then it turned into this and it did this and it, it, that's, that's my great, 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 great grandfather in the pond. And then, does that go with the Bible? <laughs> so human history began with man knowing God. Human history is not a story about a beast that worshiped idols that evolved into a man worshiping God. If anything, we've gotten worse, not better. Things are worse since Adam, not better. 
Okay? Does that make sense? We, we're de-evolving, not evolving. We're de-evolving, not evolving. Amen? Man began, knowing, man began knowing God, and we still, this is what's awesome, we still have it in all of us. If you are a human being, you have it in you to know God. God created eternity in your hearts. It, sa- it says in Ecclesiastes that God gave man eternity in their hearts. We're the only living beings on earth that have this void inside of us that when we look, we, we seek God, that we, we if, you know, look at it. Humankind has is, is got God in everything. Whether, whether they have a p- clear picture of Jesus, there isn't a culture on the planet that doesn't have a God. You see what I'm saying? We have it in our hearts because we have that longing. You don't see, again, let's go back to Anna's. You don't see your dog going, hmm, I wonder who created me. Hmm. Right? Your dog could care less. Just feed him his dog food. Right? You don't see monkeys go building temples and worshiping, do you? If you're lucky, they might take two sticks and bang them together. You might learn a little sign language or something. But who, you know what? They don't know. They, they speak in your language. They're just doing what you taught them to do. They're trained. Amen? There's a big missing link, guys. I always think about this. You take a chimpanzee, which is supposed to be the, the next smartest thing, and they can't even build a table, but yet we can split an atom. There's about a billion missing links. Where are they all? Well, it must be Bigfoot. Yeah, he's building a condo in the woods, too. If there's a Bigfoot, it's a monkey. It's not a man. Amen? And he's on my hunting list. If I saw Bigfoot, I'll shoot him. I'll shoot him and then maybe eat him. Yeah, I'm on the, yeah. You, you just shot your great-great-grandfather. No, I shot a big monkey. Some cultures, delicacy. All right. <laughs> man, man begin knowing God. We still have it in us to all to know God. All humans deep down inside know that there's a God whether we want to admit it or not. Did you know that? Every atheist, every atheist that says there's no God deep down inside, they know there's a God. You ever hear there's no such thing as a foxhole atheist? You take a person, put them in the middle of a battlefield, have people shooting, have people blowing up next to them, have blood and guts and all that, and, and they're, and they're going to die. You put one of those scientists, atheists, in a foxhole and have all that happening around them, they're going to start praying to God. There's no such thing. When it's all on the line, where they're going to pray to their, to the, that they turn back into dirt? There's no such thing as a foxhole atheist. We all have it in us. I guarantee you, Steve, you take the greatest scientists, throw them in a foxhole, start shooting at them, have people blown up next to them, they're going to start praying. You can lead them to Jesus in four seconds flat. <laughs> I believe in Jesus now, please! How many, let's put, you put that to the test. How do you, how do you, put it like this. This is the great thing about Christians. If you're really a Christian, if I were to point a gun and hold it to your head and say, denounce Christ, you'd probably take the bullet if you're a Christian, right? But if you're an atheist that believe in Jesus, I believe in Jesus right now. They don't have no faith in what they believe, do they? There's no reality to it, is there? If you were an atheist that put a gun to your head, you'd be a Christian in two seconds. Amen? Right? Do the test backwards. All right. Well, she wouldn't really be a Christian. She just did she wanted to tell me what I wanted to hear. But All right. God revealed himself to man through what? What does it say in there? Through his creation. So it's very clear. You look at some... Man, I look at... I look at God... I look at... You ever, do you ever take the time... 
especially in spring and fall. Those are my two favorite times. Especially in spring where everything is starting to come back and the grass is turning green. You start to see the squirrels. You start to see it. Watch squirrels, man, you'll believe in God. They're pretty amazing. When you ain't shooting at them. <laughs> I like watching pheasants. They're cute too, but I want to kill them all. But I'm just saying, when you look at God's creation, it's pretty cool, ain't it? When you look at, I mean, you're in a perfect place. You, go, you look at you when you see sometimes wild turkeys, you see coyotes. Even though these things you want to put on the plate, they're fun to watch, ain't it? You can see God's hand in everything. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? His hand is in everything. He put that in your heart. When you look out at these animals and you start to ponder and you start to wonder, that's what's inside of you. He put it in you to believe in him. He put it in you to seek him. He put it in you for that. That's why you're really without excuse. That's why every atheist that says there's no God, they sink the same thing you do. They look out and go, wow, that's pretty amazing. Really, I really know there's something more to this. Even they know there's a God, even though they refuse to say it. Amen? Because refusing God is not about really believing there's not a God. Refusing God is about not being accountable to God. Refusing God is about not putting yourself under his authority is what it really comes down to. Amen? If atheists could get away and say, there's a God, but he's left, he checked out, he made us, and he abandoned us, and they'd be happy with that. They don't want a God that's still running things. They don't want a God who's wrote a rule book and, and, and holds you to it. Because that's where man has a problem. They don't have a problem with acknowledging God. They have a problem with being under, man, under God's authority. Does that make sense? Amen? It's an obedience problem. You know it's our main problem, right? Obedience. All right. God revealed himself to man through his creation. We can see God clearly just in creation by the things he's made. God could not have created. Listen, God could not have been created if he was the creator. That's the one thing you got to understand. If God could not be created, and that's, it's, they struggled with this. Mankind has always struggled with it. We always try to say that God, that we know that God created everything, but then we, then we try to make him the created again. If God was the creator, he could not be the created. You can, the creator cannot be the creator. You see what I'm getting? You cannot, you cannot get ahead of that. If there's a creator, he cannot be the created. It has to start somewhere, right? And I've seen arguments on TV, guys, where they try to, they try, it's funny, because there was a, there's a, he's a priest, and he's, and he's in, I, I watched it on Discovery Channel, the History Channel, one of those two channels, and he, he's a priest, and he's a scientist, and he's extremely intelligent, and he's always arguing against these scientists that are trying to get rid of God, okay? And so he keeps coming back and he said, there has to be something. There has to be something for everything to come. And, and what scientists have done, they've, they've got like four or five new um, theories. They have four or five new things that they've come up with to try to explain how it could all happen without a creator. But when you look at it, it still has the same holes. Different dimensions, different this, different that. Shake it up in the thing. It's like a big ball of, you know, it's just ridiculous. But it comes down to this. Who did it? Oh, well, they just keep going out and they keep going out and they keep going out because none of them want to say, you know what, you're right. There has to be a creator. But inside you guys, how much, what's more logical? Somebody created it all or it just happened from some kind of random? <laughs> which one do you think is easier to believe? Yeah, which one's easier to have faith in? Multiple theories or a creator? Multiple theories that when you ask the experts who wrote it, they don't have an answer to the end. What, what, you ask me, who created it? Well, God did. What's the answer to that, God? 
That's pretty easy, isn't it? It's too easy. Too easy. Too easy. That's so easy. I don't want easy. Right? Well, it is easy. God did it, right? That's why Romans makes sense to me. That's why it should make sense to you. God is good. Man knew the truth about God, but did not allow his truth to work in their lives. See, this is where the issue started happening, right? Adam knew God and believed in God. Eve knew God. And then sin came in, right? And then at that point, disobedience came in. At that point, sin entered the world, and then it got worse. Then what happened? There was a, there was a flood. Why was there a flood? Because people were living and, and not wanting to be under God's authority. They wanted to do the things the way they wanted to do them. So God got rid of them all, left some people there. Then he promised, man, God is good. We don't deserve as good a God as we have, do we? He said, I'll never do that again. I'm not going to flood the earth again. And he's been, he's been sitting there patiently watching us sin since. Because have we gotten any better? No. But God is patient. God has taught us lessons all through the word. Amen? So God, man knew that God is the truth, but they don't want the truth to work in their lives. They don't want to be accountable to the truth. Man turned away from the truth, and when they turned away from the truth, they in turn rejected who? God. I don't want the truth in my life. I don't want to live by the truth. So if I don't want to live by the truth in my life, I'm rejecting who? God. See where the problem is? It's not about trying to, it's not, a, it's not about um, just saying there's not a God. It's about not wanting to have authority in your life. Amen? They suppress the truth in order that they might live their own lives like they wanted to live them. So, as you're walking, as you're doing your life, people to this day, why do most people reject God? Well, when they find out, when they, first of all, what, what do most people think of God? Well, if I believe in God, then, and this is, this is called ultra-religion, and this is the thing, that Saving Grace Community Church is a church about having a relationship with God through Christ, amen? And we, we are a church full of grace here, we are. We're not going to have greasy grace where we continue to sin that grace may increase, but we're a church that doesn't judge, when somebody comes into our congregation, the last thing that we do is judge them. We don't care what they look like. We don't care about their past because God knows all that. Amen? Amen? God does the cleaning. That's what's cool about this church. But what do most people think when they think of God? If I, think, if I believe in God, then that means I have to be a good person. That's what they start thinking, right? I have to give up my drinking and my drugs. I can't sleep around anymore. I can't lie anymore. I can't steal anymore. I can't, I, can't do, I can't look at pornography on my computer anymore. I can't do this anymore. I can't, I, you see what I'm going with this? I have to change. I can't read those books anymore. I can't watch those te- television shows anymore. I have to give up some music that I listen to. You know what? This whole God thing, I don't like it because I don't want to change anything. I like it. Isn't that why most people reject God? Honestly. Let's be real. Why do most people say they don't, want to, they don't want to accept God? Because they want to live the way they want to live. They want to be me, myself, and I type of people. If it feels good, I want to do it. I don't want nobody to tell me what feels good, and I can't do it. I don't want nobody's going to tell me that I can't do what feels good. What feels good is what I'm going to do. And you know what? That's called sin. If sin didn't feel good, it would, nobody would sin. You think the first crackhead, when they took the crack pipe to their mouth and started sucking on that pipe, said, you know what, I'm going to be addicted, I'm going to lose my children, have AIDS, and die. Do you think they smoked on that pipe thinking that? 
If they would have known how, what crack would have done to them, from the, if they would have saw the whole picture, they would have never took a hit off the crack pipe. You think the first alcoholic that has, you know, at 50 years old, cirrhosis of the ribbon, going to die? You think they would have took a bottle? They would think they started drinking at 14 if they would have known? Why do people hit the crack pipe? Because it feels good. Why do people get drunk? Because it feels good. Why do people sleep around? Because it hurts. Sex hurts, right? Sex is horrible. Come on, church. Am I right? People sleep around. They have sex because it feels good. And they want to continue to have sex. You know what? I don't want to have to sleep with just one woman when I could have multiple women. It feels better to have all these women. I could do whatever I want anytime I want anytime. I don't, if, I'm with, if I'm with God, it says I got to be married. I got to get in that church. But people want to do what they want to do when they want to do it. And that's what it's all about. Isn't it? I like my hobbies. I like my habits. I like this. I like that. You know what? And if I accept God, then I have to accept the fact that he's not okay with everything that I'm doing. Because it says in the word that he's not okay with this, this, and this, and this, 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 this. And I'm doing this, this, and this. And I like doing all of them. So you know what? I'm just going to reject him and do me, myself, and I kind of stuff. The heck with him. Even though in my heart I know he's real. I don't, I don't want to submit to his authority. That's what this, hey, that's the title of the sermon today. Even though I know God's real, I don't want to submit to his authority. You know what? My philosophy and what I've learned in college, what I've learned in high school, what I've learned from my buddies doesn't add up with what God says in his word. So I'm just going to reject him because I don't want to submit to his authority. Amen? Isn't that what it's about? It's crazy. Colleges today are crazy. You know what college's goals are? To, to sell agendas. They're not, they're not educating students like they used to do anymore. They sell agendas. And they teach agendas. And they try to take people as far away from God as they can. Amen? It's true. Be careful, people. They suppress the truth in order that they might live their lives the way they want to live them. They don't want to be convicted by his truth. Remember I told you before I first got saved, I told Alex Marquez, he's going to be here next week. Is he going to be here for church? Look, you know what I should do? You guys, if he's preached here before, what we should do is like have him do a question and answer thing so that people can just pick him apart about me and you. Ask all your dirty questions about me and Steve. He knows them all. You guys want to do that? I think it's hilarious. It'd be awesome. Me and Steve got to shut our mouths and just laugh. Ha! He led me and Steve to the Lord. Is that pretty cool? But I remember, I remember I told you guys this. I told him, you know what? I, don't, I wanted to believe in God, but you know what? I didn't want to give up my books, my music, some of the things I was doing. Man, I wanted to do those things, and I wasn't going to give them up. You know what he said? Just place your faith in Jesus and let him do the rest. He didn't tell me how to give it all up. It was probably a month after I placed my faith and trust in Christ, I gave them all up. Not because somebody told me to give them all up. God put it on my heart to give them all up. Amen? Because God does the work. Amen? If you would have told me to give them, I would have said, shut up! It's mine! No! And that's what I told out. I made it very clear. You know what? I might place my faith and trust in Jesus, but you ain't telling me what to do. But when, when Jesus came into my life, he lovingly and gently told me what to do. And guess when Jesus tells you what to do, guess what happens? You do it. <laughs> He does it so gentle. He doesn't, like, smack you around. You know, I'm kind of one of those kind of, God works with, your, with who you are, though. I guess he wasn't as gentle with me as he might have been with Steve. 
I remember sitting on my bed. I used to read the Bible three, four hours every day, just lock myself in the room and just read my Bible. And I had all these bad books. I had Anne Rice books. And, you know, I'm not saying you can't like Anne Rice. She wrote some good stuff about Jesus, but a lot of homosexuality, a lot of bad stuff in it. I was into some really bad stuff. I had books on the occult. I had books. I had some bad stuff, man, because I did everything and tried everything before I came to Christ. And I had these books on my shelf, not good books. I had some other crazy books in there, too. And I was reading my Bible, and all of a sudden, I had this need and desire to look up at my bookshelf, and there was this voice. Not, n- nobody could else could hear it, but it, was, it, you know, it wasn't like, hi, Bob. God knows I'm too bullheaded for that. I am. I'm bullheaded. I'm a, I'm a full-blown bullheaded person. And don't let anybody say nothing, all right? He said, get rid of them. Yes, sir. <laughs> that was my mentality. I came out of the room and said, I'm getting rid of all these books. What? Get rid of them. Why? Because God said. Well, I thought Alex told you. No, no, no. God, God's, I do what God tells me, not what you tell me. Yeah, he told me. I said, I'm getting rid of them. And then I was like, I think I'll sell them. And then I had another voice gently say, no, burn them. Why did I burn the books? Because the garbage man don't need to be reading them if I don't want them, right? My neighbor called me a Nazi for burning books. I didn't burn any good books. I burned all my bad ones. Amen? I was burning knowledge. I was burning corruption. Because not every bit of knowledge is good, is it? Is it? Not every bit of knowledge is good. Just because there's knowledge don't mean it's good knowledge. Amen? And some knowledge needs to be burned. Ain't that right? It needs to be burned out of your brain. Amen? All right. Are we having fun? (laughs) They refused the truth about God and became like beasts in their thinking. And the way they lived, they started de-evolving. Evolution is not a true statement, but I'll tell you what, man has been trying to become a monkey for a long time. Man never came from a monkey, but man wants to be a monkey. Man wants to be a beast. Man wants to be like their dog. Man wants to be like the animals in the the forest. You know why? Because animals do things off of instinct, and animals do whatever they want. They ain't accountable to nothing. Man doesn't want to be man. They want to be a beast. That's why you can't, you know, you ever hear this whole relativism, you know, you can't really call somebody evil because they're just going off, their, off their, their nature. You know what? There's such thing as evil, and there's such thing as right and wrong. Amen? <laughs> Verse 20, let me read it to you one more time. For ever since the world was created, people have seen this, the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal powers, divine nature. They have no excuse for not knowing God. All human beings are without excuse. Can, can I, did the Bible, now look, you might not agree with this, right? And again, let's go back to simple God logic. You ha, you, are you allowed to have an opinion? Huh? Everybody's got one, right? Right? And you say, well, you know what? I don't like that. I don't like what it says. Too bad you're wrong. Your opinion's wrong. God says every single human being is without excuse. So whether you like what he says or not, you are wrong. Either you agree with him or you disagree with him. If you disagree with him, you're wrong. If you agree with him, you're right. If you disagree with him, you're wrong. We've got to start looking at the truth like that, right? The word of God has lost its power in people's lives because they argue with it all the time. They try to change it. You hear what it said? You're without excuse. But I think I have excuses. Well, guess what? Your excuses are no good, right? I'm just using you because you're sitting here. 
Am I right? How many times do we want excuses? How many times have we made excuses? Raise your hand. How many times have you been caught in sin and made an excuse for it? I see that I love some of these. Let me help you. You see my sweaty pit? I did two things here. One, I wanted to gross you out, and two, I'm being honest. You guys still love me, don't you? All right. Verses 21 through 23. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused, claiming to be wise. Instead, they became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. Man became ignorant. Is that a pretty good title? Man became what? Their intelligence led them down the wrong path, and then in their intelligence, they became what? Ignorant. And all their brains, they became ignorant. So what really, what they're saying, all their thinking brought them to ignorance. When you reject God, I don't care how smart you are, you become ignorant. Anybody who rejects God is going to become what? Ignorant. So it's better to have God so you become smart. Amen? God good? Man knew God. Okay, man knew everything about God. It was very clear that they knew God existed. But they did not want to honor him as God. Man knew that God was there. Man knew that he was honest, that he made everything. But they did not want to honor him. They did not want to submit to him. They did not want to give him the credit as God. Because when they start honoring him, that means they, they care about what he thinks, right? And man did not want to care about what God thinks. Instead of thanking God, listen, instead of thanking God for all that he's given them, instead of thanking God for all that he's given them, they refused to thank God or give glory to him. They did not give him the glory and worship he deserved. Guys, there's so much application in this for every one of us. Whether this applies to you at a, at a deep level or not, I want you to think about what I just said. Instead of thanking God for all that he's given them, instead of thanking God for all that he's given you, they refuse to thank him and give him glory and worship him like he deserves. How many times do we look at, how many, what has God given you? Think about this, just for a small application. Look at all that God's done for you, all the things that he's given you. Do you give him the glory and the worship he deserves for what he's done for you? Think of all the blessings you're like. Think of every single blessing that you have. What have you given them in return? That's a good question, isn't it? That should make you kind of shift around in your seat. That's the whole point, right? Amen? All right. Man was willing to use God's gifts, but not willing to worship him and praise him. Here's the thing. God's given us all these things. It's saying today. God gives you everything. We're willing to use what he gives us. We're willing to do whatever and, make, and, and take advantage of everything he does for us. But we don't want to give him any thanks or any glory for it. God's given each believer a gift, and he's given people talents. You know what a talent is? Well, the spiritual gifts are in the Bible, and they're things you get after you place your faith and trust in Christ. The Holy Spirit gives you gifts, whether that be teaching, whether that be leading, whether that, whether that be, you know, Faith, any of these gifts he gives you. But then what about talents? You look at professional, I look at guys like, you know, I don't know if he's going to be a Viking. I look at Adrian Peterson, man, that man is talented. 
He's a talented running back, like beyond talented, right? Do you think that he was born and just earned all that? God gave him talent. If I look at Amy singing up here, look at you playing guitar, that's a talent. You know, that's a talent. I can't do it. It don't come easy for me. I dream about being able to play guitar like I'm pretending in my head. And like I'm leading the whole thing, but you know, it's all up here, right? Talent. God gives you all your talents. And here he gives us all these talents. He gives you everything that you have, gifts and talents. And what do we, and we use them to our advantage. AP is a Christian, but AP, I mean, you know he's using that talent, right? <laughs> right? He's leading the, he, I mean, he was a, he's the best running back in the NFL. He uses the heck out of the talent. I sure hope that, you know, he's given God all the glory for it. I mean, he appears to, right? But what about our lives in general? All the talents he's given you, all the gifts he gives you, do you give him back anything for it? Or do you take it for granted? We're good at taking things for granted. I mean, think about, you give your kid a gift, I mean, think about it. If you get a lot of gifts, spoiled, spoiled people never, never have any respect for anything that they get, right? You know what? You think about it. You look at families that spoil the heck out of their children. They give their kids this gift, that gift, this gift, that kid. The kids, he's getting gifts, and pretty soon those gifts mean nothing to the child, Right? They just take it for granted. Well, God has spoiled the snot out of every one of us, and that's the problem. He gives us everything, but we are like spoiled little kids. We don't give him anything back. Amen? So true. As a result of this, man's minds and their hearts became dark. As a result of this, as a result of rejecting, 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 not accepting, not seeing the truth, not submitting to it, their hearts and their minds became dark. Now, I don't want to jump ahead, but you, you saw some of the things that were listed. Dan read about homosexuality and the rest of the sins, right? We're not going to get those covered today. We're going to cover those next week. But can you imagine? That's what happens when you reject God. You look at everything else, and you do everything that's the opposite. Amen? Man, the worshiper, became man, the philosopher. Man, the worshiper, became the philosopher, trying to figure out everything on their own, trying to, trying to become in control, trying to rewrite the book the way they wanted it wrote. Man, the man, man became the man worshiper. So God, they went from worshiping God to becoming a philosopher, and the man said, you know what, I'm really good at, the, at this whole philosophy thing. I'm going to start worshiping man. You know what the biggest idol in the entire world is? You know what the biggest idol is? Is it, is it some f- false Baal god? Is it? No. You know what the biggest idol in the world is? Me, myself, and I. We worship ourselves daily. In fact, I would have to say, if you, take a, if you analyze your life a little bit, how many times have you been at the altar, me, myself, and I, in the last week? You have Jesus up here, right? But how many times have you worshipped at you? How many times have you given in to you and not given him? Me, myself, and I is a serious idol, isn't it? And it's an idol that the church struggles with. Believers struggle with it. Me, myself, and I. Having held down God's truth and refusing to acknowledge God's glory, man was left without a God. So man got so good at their philosophy, so good at rejecting his truth, so good at wanting to create things for their own purpose, for their own glory, that they were left Man was pretty much left without a God. Even though God was there on his throne, they had no respect for him. They had no 
reverence for him. They had no fear of him. They had no desire to have authority underneath him. So pretty much they're left without what? God. And when, if you're left without God, you turn into what? What, what, what is, what, do, do dogs worship God? Do the monkeys worship God? You, when man rejected God and rejected his authority, they became like a beast. They wanted, to be, they wanted to be an animal so bad that they end up becoming animals in their own head. You follow what I'm saying? When you take God out of everything, you place yourself back into beast mode. So instead of evolving, man devolves. Amen? Evolution is never a true statement, but man wants so desperately to be an animal. And that's where the whole... I'm not trying to sell something here, guys. Where do you think evolution comes from? What is evolution? It's saying if we can trade, if we can take God out of it, we can go back to the soup pool. Then it basically says that you're no, you're no different, my friend, than a bird or a chicken. Because guess what? They're, they're, you're all related. You're simply a more advanced animal. That's all evolution is. It is a religion. It is a religion. Think about it. Take God out and make it all about the created rather than created. What does it say? Man stopped worshiping the creator and started worshiping the creation. Man abandoned the creator and went to the creation. Then they started worshiping reptiles and birds and things like that. What What is evolution? Worshiping the creation Rather than the creator. Evolution is taking the creator out and making it all about the created. Amen? Or people say, well, not all evolutionists take God out. They just say God kind of guided the process. Well, you know what? That's still leaving it open for us to be just like a monkey. Ain't it? No matter how you want to cut that piece of cake, it comes back to the same thing. Evolution is the philosophy that was made by man to take God away because man does not want to be under the authority of God. Most scientists, most of these big brainiacs that come up with this stuff, they just don't want to have the authority of God in their life. Why are people atheists? Because what? They don't want to be under authority. So man, refusing the true God, wanted to make themselves man-made gods to worship. They wanted to explain God out of the picture and make God, make creation their God. Making creation their God is basically evolution. Verse 23 makes that so clear. I want to read verse 23 one more time. And instead of worshiping a glorious ever-living God, they worship idols made to look like mere people, birds, animals, and reptiles. <laughs> Man making himself an animal is not accountable to God. Animals just do things because that's their desire or their instinct. Man wanted to be like an animal because if they're an animal, they're not accountable. Isn't that so true? You guys with me? It's a whole different perspective, isn't it? Do you want to know something? I led a science student to the Lord in in the University of South Florida. He was all about, he was raised in a church and and he knew in his heart, I knew this guy, I knew that he was a young kid. He came from the country. He was raised in church. And then he went off to college and decided he wanted to be in science. He wanted to do biology or whatever he was in in South Florida. And 
So he got indoctrinated in all that, and so he said, you know what, I'm an atheist. Why do I have to be an atheist? Because everything, everybody that's a real good science major in South Florida is an atheist, right? We have to, we have to believe in evolution, hook, line, and sinker, so we've got to reject God. And he went down that path. He started going down that path. He was out putting his golf, his golf balls, and I came out and talked to him. And this argument, he wanted to take me through this whole argument about why he was an atheist, and all I said is I took him through this Roman section of Romans, and I explained him what I'm explaining to you, and he started crying. He goes, that is so true. He started looking at his professors, what they really, they, his professors, they, they mocked and they, didn't, they, they, they despised any thought of being accountable to God. And he saw that evolution was just an attempt to remove God from everything. And he realized that it was all about making us animals again. And he said, you know what? I, I understand. He said, I can still be in science, but I'm not going to be an atheist. And he placed his faith and trust in Christ. He recommitted himself to the Lord right there. Now, that's not just a story for everybody, but guess what? It's a reality, isn't it? Amen? Man exchanged the glory of the true God for substitute gods that he had made. He exchanged the glory for shame, the incorruption for corruption, truth for lies. Man exchanged the glory of God for shame, incorruption, because God is not corrupt for corruption, and they exchanged the truth, God's truth, for lies. And it became easy to do. Because once you take God out, it all rolls down really fast, doesn't it? Man worship man. Man worship man. Satan's fulfillment of his purpose in the garden with Eve. Check this out. This isn't, none of this should be new. Genesis 3, 5. Write that down. Genesis 3, 5. Man, the ultimate, re, the ultimate thing that we're reading here in Romans chapter 1 is that man started worshiping what? Man. Man started worshiping man. Rejecting God, because so you, you don't want to be under God's authority, putting yourself under the authority of man, making yourself an animal, however you want to look at it. The bottom line is it's not about any of these other things. It's about not wanting to be under God's authority. That's what Romans chapter 1 is all about. Not wanting to be under God's authority. And by not wanting to be under God's authority, man started worshiping man. The creation rather than the what? Creator. When you accept the creator, you have to accept the creator's authority. Amen? So there's no creator, there's no what? Authority. And it's fulfilled for Satan's little fulfillment out of, out of Genesis chapter 3, 5. What did he say to Eve? If you take a bite of this fruit, you will be like God. Some translations say, say you will be God. A God. Genesis 3, 5 says, if you take a bite of this fruit, you will be like God. You'll be a God. <laughs> what did Eve really want? To be like God. Instead of worshiping God, she wanted to be her own God. Instead of giving God authority, she wanted to be under her own authority. The first sin is all about what we're talking about, isn't it? And then here's Adam. Here, take a bite. You'll be like God. Really? What an idiot. Great protector he was, wasn't he? What an awesome protector. He, he fulfilled his purpose, didn't he? What is Roman, what is Genesis 3, 5 said? If you take a bite of the fruit, you will be like God. Or some translation, you will be God. 
Det be as a god. Satan is just laughing, isn't he? He's laughing because people are still doing it. They're still biting the fruit every single day. They're still biting the fruit because they still want to be like God every single day. You think that it happened in the garden. You say, how did that crazy woman and that man do that? They ruined it for all of us. We've been doing it the same ever since. Haven't we? Haven't we? It's just a lot more complicated, a lot more decorated, a lot more polished. But the system is still the same basic system, isn't it? Are your eyes opening up? Are the lights coming on? Is it going, wow, whoa, really? It's pretty cool, isn't it? When you see this, you'll be like God. Glory to man in the highest, baby. That's what it's about. Glory to man in the highest. That's what man is all about. Glory to man in the highest. What is it, should it say? Glory to God in the highest. But if it's glory to man in the highest, then I don't have to worry about anything. I could do whatever I want, anytime I want, any place I want. And guess what? I can't judge anybody. This is crazy in society, man. You have people that are molesting children and killing people and doing all this. And there's people that would say, that, you can't call that person evil. That's just what they do instinctively. That, that's just who they are. That's, 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 go, that's taking God out, isn't it? When you take God out, nobody's accountable for anything. Nothing's wrong. Everything is right. At least, you know what it says? What might be right for you might not be wrong for me. So, you know what? You might like, you know, I'm not going to say that to you. I'm going to use a pretend person. You might like sleeping with goats. That's pretty gross, isn't it? But that's a problem. That's called bestiality. There are people that do that. You like sleeping with goats? You know, that you might think that's perverted and wrong, but for the person who sleeps with goats, it's completely okay. Who are we to judge that? There's nothing. But you know what? When you, when you accept the authority of God, it says that bestiality is wrong. So the goat sleeper is wrong. Well, I like to, I like to have an affair. I, I want to have an affair. Well, you know, just because you have an affair doesn't mean it's wrong for him not to have an affair, blah, blah, blah. But the Bible says it's wrong. You see, when you take God out, everything is justifiable in man's eyes. Amen? You see? We want to make it all about what we want to do anytime we want to do it, any place we want to do it. And then it's a slippery slope, church. It's a scary, slippery slope, isn't it? When you start rejecting God's authority, it's a slippery slope that leads to destruction. And that's what you're going to see at the end of the passage when we do this next week. When you start rejecting the authority of God, it's a slippery slope that leads to destruction. And it just gets easier and easier. Once you start rejecting it, it gets easier and easier to reject it. Once you start worshiping me, myself, and I, it becomes easier and easier to worship me, myself, and I. Because me, myself, and I don't hold you accountable for nothing. Me, myself, and I says, oh, it feels good. Let's do it some more. Oh, let's do some more. Let's add more. Let's, 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 let's do it with some more people. Let's do more, 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 more. If you're going to trust your little Godhead inside yourself to lead you down a path of righteousness, you're going to lead yourself straight to hell. Because me, myself, and I was never going to go anywhere good, is it? That's the warning in Romans chapter 1, and it's a great warning, isn't it? Now you see why this passage is not popular in, in educated America, is it? 
I mean, you could never teach this in science class, could you? It would not be accepted, would it, unless you're in a Christian school? Not even some of those, you're right. Instead of man being made in God's image, man made gods in their own image. And they descended to the, such a low point that they started worshiping birds, beasts, and bugs. See, that slippery slope when you reject God is where you slip to the very lowest, the pit. And you make up crazy things that dominate our society like evolution. I mean, we laugh at it in church. We laugh at how ridiculous evolution sounds, but you know it's leading everything. Slippery slope, isn't it? Huh? Slippery slope, isn't it? Steve, your principle is evolution leading everything in our science. And we, we laugh at it. We're like, this is so ridiculous. But is it laughed at by people? Is it laughed at by academia, by the brainiacs of the, of the world? Is it laughed at? How quickly when you reject God, you're going to start accepting everything as truth that isn't truth. When you reject the truth of God, that means you start to receive things that are truth that are lies. And the more you reject God, the more lies you receive as truth. And the farther you go down that slippery slope, the farther it leads to what? Destruction. Amen? If you're in here today, now obviously you've got to come back next week. Either I scared you away by this sermon, and you're like, I'm not going to go listen to this guy no more. That's fine. I still love you. If I see you in town, I'll come up and say, I'm praying for you. I love you. No, I'll leave you alone if you want me to be alone. You sinners! Just kidding. I, just, I didn't mean to call you sinners. But what I'm trying to say, church, is if you've heard part one, why not come back and hear part two? Amen? How many people want to hear part two? At least give me part two. All right. The most important thing you can get out of today's sermon is this. In order to reject the authority of God in your life, in order to reject the truth in your life, you have to reject God. And the first step in rejecting God is by not having God at all in your life. Do you hear what I just said? The first step in rejecting the truth of God in your life is rejecting God completely, saying that there isn't a God. And let me tell you something, there is a God. Jesus Christ said, I am the Father of one. Jesus said, I am God. Amen? In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the Word became flesh and died on the cross. What was his name? Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus. Jesus with God, Jesus was God, Jesus was God. So the first thing you need to realize is that Jesus is who he said he was. He was God. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross to pay the price for your sins. He was resurrected from the dead. He's at the right hand of the Father, and he is God. Amen? That is the truth. And Jesus said, I am the way, truth, and the life. Jesus said, I am the way. I'm the only way. Jesus said, I'm the truth. I'm the only truth. And Jesus said, I'm the life. I'm the only life. Nobody comes to the Father. Nobody gets into heaven except through me. No other religion, no other belief system on planet Earth will get you into heaven except by Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the truth and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through if you're in here today and you have not placed your faith and trust in Christ, that is the first step in receiving truth. That is the first step to receiving God's authority in life. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have God's authority. If you do not have Jesus, you do not have God's authority. You don't have the Holy Spirit of God living inside you, giving you conviction when you need to be convicted. Let me tell you something, the church. I need to be convicted and I need to be convicted often because conviction is a good thing. 
when I'm doing something wrong that God doesn't like, I like it when God tells me it's not right. When God tells me it's not right, that means I can change. That means I can be under his authority and not under my authority. Amen? Because my authority is a bad place to be. Amen? That's how I can hear that voice say, get rid of those books. But if I didn't have Jesus, I wouldn't have that voice and I would have never gotten rid of those books. Amen? If you're in here today and you've not placed your faith and trust in Christ, that's the most important thing you can do. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single man, woman, and children is separated from God because they're sin. Everybody is the same. Everybody is separated from God because they're sin. Romans 6.23 says, The wages will be earned for sin is death. That is spiritual death. That is separation from God. In 1 John, it tells us that separation for God means that we're in his wrath. And being in his wrath means we're under his judgment. And judgment is hell. You don't have to be under his judgment. You can be under his grace and under his mercy. And that is by having a relationship with him through Christ. Romans 5 eight says, God demonstrates how much he loves you. Even though you were a sinner, how much he loves you. Christ died on the cross to pay the price for sins. Even though you are a mess, even though your sin separated from God, even though you deserve not to have a relationship with God, God loved you anyway. God loved you so much that he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross to pay the price for your sins. He demonstrated how much he loved you. He showed you how much he loved you. Jesus came, he died, he suffered, he was resurrected, and he is alive right now. And all you have to do is believe in him. That's all you have to do. You don't have to do Hail Marys. You don't have to have old ladies across the street. You don't have to get rid of your book collection. All you have to do is believe.